0: Hi, my name is Meg, and welcome to the Extraordinary Women Podcast. This podcast is a place that brings amazing, brave, and courageous journeys of women into the spotlight to shine, because we all have stories, and we are here to share them together. Our guest today on the podcast is Alyssa Hamill. Alyssa is a private practice therapist and the candle creator at Oh Happy Day. Alyssa is a runner, loves chocolate, and believes we all have the ability to hear ourselves. I can't wait for you to listen. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Episode three. I'm here with Alyssa Hamill, who is... A therapist, an amazing candle maker, and also she's going to tell us a little bit about her running. So Alyssa, tell us, the listeners, um, what what your name is. We know it's Alyssa. Yes. What you do, where you live, and then we'll, we'll get into it.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm Alyssa. Nice to meet y'all. Um, I am, yes, I am a therapist. I work in Exeter, New Hampshire and live in Kensington, which is like a really small village of Exeter. Um, I just branched out into private practice recently um, and have had a lot of different jobs throughout my career. So now here I am, like I've worked really hard to get to this place um, where I'm in control and have autonomy of my schedule, um, of the issues that I'm really passionate about. Um, And um, it's just been like my year this has been all I've ever really wanted. So 2023 is definitely my year. I'm sort of like coming into, you know, they say coming into your power. And I I am like, I'm, I'm coming into like this really nice place in my career that I've worked hard for and, um, really honing in on issues that I'm passionate about. And every day just feels like really exciting. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about like my day-to-day job right now.
0: And so, sure. how did you get into that? So, how did you decide to be a therapist? Like, did mm-hmm. you have some experience in your childhood, or was it something that naturally developed while you were in school? You know, later years, high school, college.
1: Yeah, you know, my I, God bless my parents. I love them. I was a, I was a, I was an emotional kid. I was, I was a highly sensitive kid. Um, parents, you know, somewhat insightful to that. I think they did the best they could with. Um, knowing what to do with an empath, I don't, you know, those terms weren't thrown around back then, like empath, empathy, uh, you know, highly sensitive person, you know, like these these terms were just, you know, not parents weren't aware of them. Also parents weren't really aware as much as they are now about mental health and anxiety. And so, um, as a young child, I just internalized so much. Um, and this is actually connected to something we'll probably talk about later. Um, so I, I yeah, I just, I was a highly sensitive person. I really wanted to help people. I was always just like, I think trying too hard to help people and sometimes we do it in the wrong way. um, Because I cared so much that I just wanted to like, just do what I could to help. But sometimes, you know, I think it would actually maybe even make things worse for people. And so I have definitely a a long history of just wanting to help people. And um, my dad was the one who sort of narrowed in on, you know, what about social work? Like, What about, you know, and that didn't really come about until mid college. So I was in school for, um, I was always also very interested in like health, anything health related. So my bachelor's is actually in health science, which is sort of broad, you know, nutrition, exercise, just like all that good stuff. Um, and then kind of came to that sort of knowing, um, towards the end of my, you know, um, bachelors that I wanted to seek, you know, go into social work, because that's also a very broad field where you can work with a lot of different people, Um, you know, whether it's, you know, substance use, domestic violence, homelessness, um, teen pregnancy, like I just had, I just knew that that was going to be a good field for me, because I knew I could help people. And I knew, I knew that it'd get better, like good training on how to do that effectively, and not, you know, inappropriately. Uh, because and my mom was a but, social worker. Oh my God. Like,
0: yeah. In a hospital. So she, um, she actually, for a very long time, she worked with uh, parents who uh, babies died with of SIDS. Yeah. And I, so I went through like all of that when I was a kid, oh I, re- I remember that. So I, I oh. completely understand. It's so a, if you have like, a parent in that field or, you know, you're around that, I, I completely understand that 100%
1: you know and and if to just to be and and i wonder what your mother's experience is too if we're being really honest and vulnerable and open about this it probably wasn't until i had kids or shortly after i had kids that i started to really understand and learn boundaries like again like i just gave the shirt off my back and would just completely run myself into the ground And had no sense of like taking care of myself truly. Um, You know, I just, I just would give, 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 and then I would burn out and then I would give, 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 and then I would burn out. And so really in the last, I would say three to four years, I have gotten intentional about setting some boundaries and being like, okay, if I really want to do this job effectively, like if I really want to help people, I got to take care of myself. Like otherwise, I'm not, I'm not really set. I'm not role modeling and I, I'm going to get burnt out. So I, then I won't be helpful. So these last couple of years have been such good, like evolving years for me as a human. And it's, I love my job now. Like now I can really say like, wow, like I've learned so much. I've been exposed to so much. I'm glad I had to burn out a couple times to figure out the balance. Um, and again, now I have a lot of autonomy on what I take on and I still feel like I make a big impact. Um, and I'm also keeping myself safe. So that feels good.
0: So did you start with therapy right out of the gate or did oh, you go so- social work and then ease in? I kind of interrupted you a little no, bit with my little good, mini story.
1: Yeah, no. So yeah, I just, I went right into graduate school, right? So went did my bachelor's, went right into graduate school. Um, and you know, I had still didn't know what population I wanted to work with when I went off to graduate school, but I, you know, did an internship working with the elderly. And then I did an internship working at, um, a high school with, you know, kids that were struggling with substance use. And then after I got out of, and then after I got out of, um, Graduate school. My first job was working with at a um, domestic violence shelter um, with uh, women and children. Um, so on domestic violence and sexual assault issues. And then I worked at a clinic for children and families. And then I had two, you know, mind-blowing jobs. I was going into some rough homes in Lawrence, Massachusetts. In Springfield, Massachusetts, in like tough areas. I just can't believe that these programs still exist and there's really no safety net for therapists going into the home. And these mental health facilities across the country, when it's state insurance, you get the bottom of the barrel care. And therapists who are just coming out of graduate school get stuck with the low paying insurances and the, the most traumatized of our country. I don't, I'm, I hope I'm making sense. So those, yeah. with, mm-hmm. okay. So those with like state insurance are usually the ones who need the most help. Um, and you know, when you're fresh out of graduate school, like you don't know what you're doing, you're just, you're there to help, but you don't know how to, you don't know how to be safe you don't still really know how to do therapy with people and help people. There's just a lot going on there. So again, I just look back and I'm like, wow, I can't, you know, I guess I'll also, I'm glad that I went through it, but, you know, looking back, I'm just like, that's just so dangerous. And it makes me so scared for, you know, the future of just mental health care. But then again, and did you I,
0: have any sort of mentor or anything? or you just
1: yeah, you, had know, to pick, you pick and choose, you know, from different supervisors and different people, you know, um, I had some people who were really invested in in me as a therapist and, you know, really helped me along the way. And then I had people who just were there for the paycheck and didn't really care. And they were burnt out and, you know, they didn't really have the supports that they needed. So, you know, and that just gets, that just gets recycled down the system. So I had to learn from a lot of different a lot of different venues along the way. I I'm ag- again, grateful for all of those experiences, but sort of look back and I'm like, wow, I just, I just still can't believe that I, that I did those jobs.
0: I mean, burnout's real. My mom. So after quite a few years working as a social worker at the hospital, she, um, was very drained and it took a, a mental toll i i know i mean I, it was very young when it happened but i know oh. what a mental what a toll it took on her mental health and so she became a guidance counselor at a school yeah so she it, same sort of own, field it, that has but, its own
1: yeah it has its own challenges you know being right. a guidance counselor um but sometimes and again i think that's one of the benefits of the field is that when you do sort of feel like you're getting stale or burnt out or like you you just are seeing the same things over and over again, and you are like feeling like you're stuck and you're not really effective or making a difference anymore, you can shift some of your, some of what you're good at into like a a different population or a different issue. And, um, you know, I would say that, um, I've gone through different phases of the things that I'm interested in. And, you know, I went through a, a big phase of working with children and then I worked with, um, you know, a big phase working with postpartum, you know, moms. And I still am doing a lot of that, but I think it sort of ebbs and flows. And some of that has to do with just when, when I feel like I've really gotten confident with something, Um, you know, I'm, I would say over the last four years, a lot of my focus has been around anxiety disorders, Um, you know, some OCD, um, a lot of perfectionism, Um, and you know, to be honest, these are things that I've also suffered with and I've dealt with and I've, I've got myself out of it.
0: So this might be a little bit of a loaded question, sure. but, um, my question for you would be, how do you feel our, and it's, it's sort of broad, so you can answer this how any way you see fit, but how do you feel, um, our mental health has changed? Obviously it's been very significant, but what do you feel? has changed the most pre and post COVID.
1: Yeah. That and is a and answer pro- that that is yeah, a little broad, it's a, but it's okay. No, no, it's a little bit of a loaded question. And, and I have a couple answers. One, I mean, definitely it's changed for therapists and the client. So it's changed for therapists in the way that now we're doing a lot of virtual uh, therapy. Now we're trying to keep up with the demand of what people are wanting and needing. Um, we had to make a quick shift of learning how to do therapy virtually and following state and you know, federal laws and regulations around that and HIPAA and you know licensing and sort of all of that. Um, so it's it's changed in that way. Um, and you know, with that comes a difference in feel, like how you feel. When you go to a therapist's office, you experience things like body language and and energy in the room and eye contact and silence, you know, like there's just, you know, when you're virtual, you have this sort of like protective thing here. And, um, so it's, I would say that to a certain degree, it's not as vulnerable, but I guess that's sort of subjective, you know? Um, so for the client, I think it's actually been for, for you know, for, for somebody who is seeking therapy, I think that it has, been uh, there's been pros and cons. One, I think that it's nice that there is the option of doing virtual, and then the con is that there's no you can't find a therapist like it's it's nearly impossible for people to find help. Um, so we have you know increased in you know referrals, and we've decreased in the amount of people doing therapy. Um, people are leaving the field um, because of low pay from insurance companies and. Um, burnout, you know, all of that. And then we have the fact that COVID happened and it brought on so much trauma and so much grief and loss for people that now we're just flooded. Like we're just as, as a, as a profession, just like nursing, just like, you know, just like all these other, you know, professions too. I'm, I'm not, I'm not isolated to that. It's just that, it makes it really hard. Um I I closed off my psychology today profile and I'm still getting people sending trying to send me referrals. Um and I don't blame them. They're they're desperate. People are desperate and they need help, but I'm only only one person. I can only take on so many clients and I want to make sure that those clients that I've taken on that I am helping them through what they need help with. I do I don't want to take on so many that I can't keep up with their care. Um, and they are not feeling like they are getting what they need out of the, out of the time with me.
0: And so now. what do you feel? Do you feel that in terms of, even though there is a lack of therapists to go around, um, mm-hmm. I'm big advocate for, for therapy. I, I see a therapist, yeah, um, me too. before it was once a week, then it was biweekly. Now it's monthly, but I, I still, it's very good for anybody's mental health. So if you can find somebody that works for you, I highly recommend that. Um, oh Yeah. What do you feel like, or do you feel like people's uh, mindset of therapy, mental health, taking care of themselves has just completely changed since COVID? Because I know I feel like it has, like we're much more ad, we advocate much more for that now than mm-hmm. we ever did in the past.
1: So your question is, do I think that people are doing a better job taking care of their mental yes. health? Yes.
0: Do, do you do you feel like that um that covid really exposed us taking care of ourselves because i feel like pre covid i'll be honest which is not that long ago we even like saying you had a therapist was like very taboo yeah it wasn't something yeah, some that people openly talked about
1: yeah and for some it still is you know taboo but i do think it definitely exposed a lot of mental health stuff um do i think that it has Moved the needle with better access and better care, not necessarily. So, okay, we're sort of in the beginnings uh, of the stages of change where it's like we're seeing that this is a problem. Oh, good. Okay. Well, now what are we really going to do about this problem? Mm-hmm. You know. But as you know, and this is where the anxiety would come in for me as a kid, is it would be like, I want to save the world and i don't know how i'm going to do that um because i don't want there to be pain i don't want there to be suffering i don't want hurt people i don't want you know and so i think there was definitely a time where i sort of put that on my shoulders and sort of convinced myself that i had the power to like stop all the badness in the world <laughs> and you know that's just that's just not the reality i do have the I do have the ability to help people on an individual basis though, um, you know, and there's a ripple effect from that. And I do believe in that, but I don't, Definitely. I don't believe that this system is going to just magically shift overnight. And I am going to live by my standard of values and what I think is important and try to role model that for other therapists as well you know, by trying not to see too many people a week. So making sure that I have a therapist and I go to my therapist and talk about the things that are stressing me out, um, that I'm finding genuine and authentic things to help myself cope. This also just plays a role in my history as well, is that I used to do things that I thought were good for my coping when they were actually, when in hindsight, they were things that I was taught would be good for my coping, but weren't good for my coping. So now I've had to get really clear on listening to my body. And what does this feel like? Does this make me feel relaxed and like I'm being taken care of, or does this make me feel more jazzed up and anxious? And, you know, it actually is adding stress to my life. So self-care and coping skills, I think across the board are going to look different, you know, person to person.
0: Okay. So then let's talk a little bit about your mental health, and you are a runner. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this plays a, a role also in some of my topics of interest and the work that I do with clients but I was a runner. I ran, I ran, um, throughout my childhood, uh, pretty competitively, um, was one of the best in the state for, you know, our state in high school, and then went off to a, just a division three school. It was a private college and ran competitively for the college and then ran post-collegiately, um, for a club, um, called greater Boston. Um, and then, uh, sort of sort of dabbled a little bit with some, you know, middle distance, or no, some like longer distance uh, after college, you know, some half marathons, some marathons. But my history with running, honestly, was that I had talent. I was born and you know, gifted with some talent, but I also had uh, a father who was an all-American runner. My brother was an all-American runner. It was sort of like, little bit like handed on to me of being like you're you're gonna be a runner too. I've actually never told the stories like publicly. So it's it feels sort of nice, but um I sort of adopted that as my, you know, a lot of my identity um was this this sport. Um, which this sport also created a lot of anxiety for me. And um, it also created a lot of self-esteem and a lot of, you know, other things too. So I can't ignore that, you know, being a part of a team and like learning, pushing yourself to boundaries and like all these other things, like you learn a lot of discipline and I'm grateful for that. In the same breath, tried to stuff down a lot of, um, fear and like anxiety and panic. And, you know, uh, I had a lot of negative self-talk of like, you're not fast enough. You're not good enough. You're not, you know, even things like you're not thin enough. I just struggled. I struggled to really connect with the sport fully and really like, like fall in love with it because I don't think it was really mine. I think it was really, it was really like felt as if, this was the only way to please people was to be good at this sport and so i have had a love hate relationship with the sport um you know and i i can tell you now that i am in a very healthy place with you know with running and the sport and i still run but i do not run competitively anymore i i just have decided that that's not really something that feels pleasurable to me to, to compete against other people. Um, I love to run and I love to be with people and I love to experience the runner's high and I like to feel healthy and I love to feel strong, but I don't like to feel shame for um, not being like a, a certain size or certain time, a certain this. So and that doesn't mean that I'm counting out the opportunity to maybe compete later on in, in, in life again. I just know that in this place, I've been trying to soften over the last couple of years and let go of control, um, and let go and, and also welcome new, new experiences. Like I've fallen in love with paddle boarding. I've started to lift and that was never something I used to do. Um, you know, I love doing yoga and like just trying new things. And, you know, I put all my eggs in one basket with the sport of running. Um, my fastest mile was five Oh four, never broke five. That was hard. And and, you know, that I got to swallow that. I'm I'm not going to do it now at age, you know, 37, like it's, you know, breaking five. Never say never. I know. I mean, I could hire. You're right. I could hire a coach. They could. They could totally work with me if I only focused on that one thing. I'm sure I could do it. But do I want to? The answer is no. There are right. more important things that I want to tackle right now in my life. And and it was really hard to let that go and to be like Alyssa. That's this isn't your dream. This is this is somebody else's dream for you. And you know. Um. But the anxiety that I experienced the you know, I would get so sick. Um, it really caused a lot of damage to me and my health. Um, you know, uh, sleep issues, so insomnia, um, just panic attacks, and um honestly just the narrative that you're not good enough, you're not, you know, you're not tough enough, you're 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 not these these things. And it's just like, no, that's not, it's not it. It's just that this this thing just wasn't isn't something that I'm as passionate about. So that's my story with running. I feel
0: like, I well, thank you so much for sharing that with us because I do feel like you do talk to a lot of people that are our age, I'm 39, and they do feel like in some way they disappointed their parents because their parents wanted them to be a doctor, a lawyer. And that is just truly not what they were passionate about. And then they're living out somebody's dream and they go to college and they spend all this money. And they come out with a degree and then they're like, oh my God, that's not what I want to do with my life. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. That
0: that does happen. And I think that, you know, people just parents, they don't mean to, but they no. project
1: what no. they think and is you know, better
0: than what they had, you know? I've, and so
1: yeah. And I've actually had some really healing conversations with, um, it's mostly my dad um, I had some really healing conversations over the past couple of years about my relationship with running. And, and, and what I've really learned from that was that it wasn't as much as that he projected it onto me as much as I perceived that that was mm. what he wanted from me. And that the way that I perceived my my experience as a child was like, I made this narrative in my head a sort of re- a reality of like, your dad wants you to be good at this. And if you're not, then you've disappointed him when really my dad is when we talk, he's like, Alyssa, I just always wanted you to be happy. Like, but, and you were really good at this. And so I was trying to push you because you were so good at it. And then I would see your joy after you won. But what he didn't know was that that joy was because he was proud of me. Mm. So it was so like, Oh, like, so it's, just such an interesting thing to like, look back on. And honestly, I look back on it now and feel really good that I'm at least here. And I, you know, sort of healed from that. And, um, you know, I still have triggers when I see successful, you know, runners or people completing things that I haven't done. And it's sort of like, oh, but you were going to do that. Like you were going to run the Boston marathon and you were going to do these things. And, it's like, yeah, but I wasn't going to do it for me. I was probably going to be doing it for somebody else and for the, for seeking attention from, you know, from the wrong people. Um, so it's, I if mean, you're, you're talking
0: to a recovering people pleaser.
1: I know. So let
0: me, yeah, I get it. I totally, I understand okay. that. And it's, yeah was that a difficult conversation to have with your father? Do you feel oh, like? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh well, he, yeah. I would say that it happens in spurts. Like it would just happen in little, like little conversations over the last several years. And, and we used to have this joke all the time. He used to be like, have you figured out your issue yet? Like as a joke. And, and so, you know, now like I can sort of be like, I figured out my issue. <laughs> my, my issue was that I cared too much about what people think. <laughs> And you know it's just it's
0: very difficult to get over. I I still have lots of moments where I'm like, so people are going to think I'm this or people are going to think yeah. I'm that, and then at the end of the day, it's it's really what makes you happy, and you can't let anybody else's opinion get in the way. I mean, no, you just can't.
1: No, and al- also you probably experience this too. It's like once you let go and shed the sort of like armor or whatever it is that you're trying to hide behind, all of the right people start to come forward because you're, you're like actually like showing who you are. And then you're all the, all the people that are sort of like interested in who you are like flood. And it's like, whoa, like, I feel so grateful right now because now I'm like doing things that I love, you know, trying new things, meeting new people that have, you know, different experiences And it's just really cool. So, you know, I don't look back in anger at all of being like, why did you focus so much on that? I, I, instead I'm sort of just like, okay, I'm so grateful to be here now and to try new things now and to not, you know, limit myself to just being a runner. You know, now if I want, I can be a therapist. I can be a runner and a candle maker and lift, and I can be a mom and i can be a wife and if tomorrow i just want to start you know i'm sewing um you know rice comfort bags like oh i love it yeah like if i want to you know cook dinner like i i can do whatever i want now like i feel right. very free to sort of explore more of who i am rather than to feel like i have to stay in this box
0: <laughs> yeah and as somebody who i went through a phase around when I had my kids mm. right before I had my children and then a little bit after. So it was like a five, seven year span where all I did was run. Mm-hmm. And that was my identity. And when people ask, I'd be like, I'm a runner and I have all my medals hanging actually on the wall behind us. We can't see it's over there. Oh, okay. And people always ask me about them when they come to say this, is cause I I'm set up in um, our spare bedroom. Okay. And then if I don't see people for a while and they're like, Oh, how's running going? And I'm like, I don't, I haven't run yeah. in like a year and a half.
1: Because who are you talking about? I don't run. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm like, I'm just, I'm not a runner anymore. It's like I will do it recreationally. Like some some days, I'll just pick up at the gym and I'll be like, oh, I just, or if it's really beautiful out, I want to go for a run today, and I don't care (laughs) if my pace is 13 minutes or seven minutes. And sometimes it's a little bit of both, and I don't even care. But you know, my interests have changed, and I've changed as a person as I evolve, and you know, become a yoga teacher, and that's
1: amazing. That's where
0: my you know my priorities are, and and I just. I'm so, so, so passionate about being a yoga teacher. I mean, I've always loved yoga yeah. for a very long time. And um, now that I'm teaching it, it's just even better. And it's like opened up so many doors and it's
1: You just reminded me. So when I was, when one of my first jobs at a graduate school, I was, was such a go-getter. I was such a go-getter. I like sent a letter to all these different yoga schools to see if they would be, um, basically provide me a scholarship to get the training so that I could pro- so that I could provide like trauma-informed yoga and this is now like hold on this is like 12 years ago so I did I got my teacher certification have I used it no I haven't so you could I, went, start. I I know but like I went through all and you know what it's funny the universe is bringing me back into into some of this though because I also did some training in Reiki um, before my daughter was born and just my my daughter, when she came, it was like, my whole world just changed so much. That was a trauma in itself, like postpartum. Um, But I, yeah, so I had some Reiki and, you know, yoga stuff. I was heading in that direction, but then I totally went off course once I had my kids. And now the course is bringing me back to feeling of like, okay, I want to go back and get my Reiki again. I'd like to actually offer Reiki and like provide Reiki, not just go get the training and then not use it, like do it.
0: So, yeah. and then the, and so the last thing that I want to chat with you about is your yeah. candle company. So Alyssa makes the most amazing candles. I have them. We burn them all the time. They're beautiful. Thank you. They're handcrafted. So tell us how you got into that and well, that everything else,
1: it relates to everything else because it was an outlet for me. So I started, you know, sometime after graduate school about maybe like 11 12 years ago um and i started it just like i was making them as gifts for people and then someone said you should sell these on etsy and i just opened up like a little etsy shop and it was really small like really small for a really long time i would only put stuff up during like christmas time and sell it and then um, and by the way when i was selling it i wasn't even making any money off of it it was just like buying the supplies and then you know, selling them for basically what I paid Like it was silly. I was losing money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know what I was doing, but I was having fun doing it and I thought it was cool. And over time I just kept doing that during, um, like seasonally, I would do it and then COVID hit and I was really irking to like, just get creative again and have a space to cope because I was, a, you know, I'm a mom of two little kids and I was doing therapy work and I was stuck in the home and I was just like, oh my God. Like, so I think to answer your question, I fell into the candle thing very easily because it was, it helped me to cope. And it, I quickly realized like how much it was fulfilling me. I was like, wow, like I didn't think about anything for the last 2 hours while I was doing candle stuff and it was like okay this is working for me I need I need this in my life I need this outlet for creativity to be able to compartmentalize and move this over here and you know Instagram sort of blew up during covid maybe I don't maybe maybe yeah, I just, I agree maybe I'm just old but I feel, it was our only way
0: to reach out to each other at a yeah. time where we were so isolated.
1: So I felt like in, Instagram became this sort of like place of sharing what you're making and what you're doing in, in all your free time now that you're home and you can't go anywhere. And um, I started to just, I just started to like up my game. I was like, okay, you know, why not? Uh, I, I don't make a lot of money. Like, in my real job as a therapist, I might as well try to make a little bit more. So yeah, it's been great. Um, I do well, uh, I have to now just sort of do batches and then post what I have because I'm so busy. And honestly, it's, it's a, not as much of a priority as other things right now. So, um, I just do batches and then whatever I have made, I just post on my, um, website and, um, I try to donate to different causes, um, you know, particularly usually around mental health, but I do other things too. So I have
0: it, a beautiful, um, wooden moon adobo. bowl with a lavender. And, yeah. um, I actually have a round one too. And I always put those on when I'm taking a bath and they're nice. my absolute favorite. I love
1: that. Yeah. yeah. And I'll do refills for people too. So like, I can send you a refill kit or you can like, um, if you're ever in the area, you can drop off your vessels and I'll, I'll refill them. Um, you know, at much lower the cost than it is to like buy it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of self-serving because it helps me to cope. And then, you know, and of course I make a little bit of extra, you know, play money on the side. And then I get to help people also feel good because who doesn't love burning a candle at the end of their day when they've had a long day and they just, you know they're tired and they're like I need to cope and I need to relax and I feel like I feel like candles are a symbol for relaxation and comfort.
0: Yeah. So I do have one more question for you. Go for it. Um so what would be your parting words of wisdom for maybe somebody that needs to invest in more in their own personal mental health? So is there anything you might suggest to people listening today that are maybe not so great at taking care of themselves and creating boundaries. How can they better do that and advocate for themselves?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Big questions today. I would say so many things. I just think, you know, I I don't want to sound cliche and saying that you can't take care of, you know, other people unless you take care of yourself. But the reality is that if you don't make it a priority to reflect on your life, and spend some time um, sort of on the other side of the chair, uh, like and what I mean by that is like going to get help, like asking for help, um, trying to get somebody else's maybe perspective um, about how you're living your life and challenging you on your values and challenging you on your you know your relationships with people um your friendships your marriage your you know your activities that you participate in um your your career um i think then we're sort of avoiding you know and i and while i'm all about self preservation i'm also about facing you know fear and and just trying to get closer to owning who we are as humans, because I think as soon as we accept ourselves for who we are, I think that's when all the good stuff happens, because I'm telling you right now, the more I love myself and the more I become like kinder and more compassionate, the more like, like abundance is coming into my world. Like it's just wild. So lay your armor down, you know, all the weapons, all the armor, go to therapy, talk to somebody about your life, you know, about your hardships, about your vulnerable, you know, skeletons in the closet and get that shit out of your body. And, you know, you'll feel better. (laughs) Those are my parting words.
0: I love it. Thank you so so much for coming on the show and being here with me today. Yay! I
1: hope people listen to it Thank and I you. Hope, well, hope it gets around. And um if there's a way for me to post this somehow, like let me know cuz I'm not really Yes, to t- actually
0: tell us where we can find you. Oh. Is there a way that we can is there a place that we yeah, can yeah, find definitely you? definitely Instagram I'm,
1: I'm more use I'm more Instagram like oh happy day cc is my name. Um, I talk about mental health on my page and I talk about candles, you know, and crafting and stuff like that. Um, and then my website is just www.ohappydaycc.com. And I'm also on psychology today. Um, you can find me there if you're interested in therapy, although, um, having uh i'm I'm not really in a place where i can accept referrals at the moment but certainly you know know that i am there and you still can reach out and i can always point you in the right direction if you need if you need some support getting you know a name or a phone number i'll always take a few minutes to help somebody to direct um to direct you somewhere
0: awesome super
1: super yay thank you welcome all right well take care thanks meg
0: If you know an outstanding, extraordinary woman that you think would be perfect for this podcast, please reach out extraordinarywomennh at gmail.com or find us on Instagram extraordinarywomenpodcast.